Excuse me. Got something caught in my throat. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Berkelhammer. So on today's live stream, I have the pleasure of welcoming back Greg Carroll. What's happening there, Greg? Hey, Keith. How you doing, bud? Pretty good there, buddy. Thanks for uh, thanks for being flexible and, and uh, joining me on a Tuesday. We're uh, yeah, no problem. kind of... Uh, had to do a little schedule change uh, tonight, and also next week. I'm going to be on a uh, on a Tuesday night, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Let's uh, let's get into the uh, to the stream tonight. Just as a, a quick background for those that don't know, Greg, he's a very accomplished reef keeper. Who's won Tank of the Month honors on Reef Central. Is president of Southern California Marine Aquarium Society. Is one of the founders of Reef Palooza. And uh, we'll be talking about the upcoming show in New York in, um, in June. It's not June yet, but it's coming up in a few weeks. It is. And um, he's also been a speaker at some major reef-keeping conferences. And Greg has a big following on Instagram. If, if you're not following him, um, please do so. He's got over 7,400 followers. He's, um, you can find him as G. Carroll, that's two R's and two L's, 1969 on Instagram. Get me 15 viewers and I'll be at 7,500. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> All right. So before we uh, start chatting with Greg, I want to thank the sponsors of the show, both Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. I really appreciate these companies supporting the live stream. And I appreciate the support from all you folks out there tuning in. Please spread the word about the show. Don't forget to hit that like button. And subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. That would be awesome. And I really appreciate you folks um, following the stream to tonight, Tuesday night. It's been Thursday night for um, for three years now. I've been doing this for over three years. So um, sorry about that curveball, but I screwed up. So yeah, no biggie. It happens, right? It happens. Yeah, I mean. You know, everybody still gets the notifications, so they may not be expecting it, but they get them. Yep. So I got, I got, I always, always do like a weekly email blast too every morning of the show. So, oh, cool. um, yeah, I think, um, I think that reaches. So, yeah, folks, if you want to be on that email, then uh, just reach out to me via the uh, the contact form on my website refund.com, and and you could be uh, in the know in terms of schedule changes. But there's also a schedule for wrapping with refund on my website refund.com. All right, so nice. let's uh, let, let me stop all the self-promoting here and uh, <laughs> have a chat with my uh, reef keeping buddy there, uh, Greg. So, dude, what uh, what's going on with the uh, with the tank? I'm going to show this video of the uh, of the tank that okay. you uh, that you had passed along to me. Thank you very much for that video. But, dude, it's looking pretty freaking awesome. Talk to us. So I'm on a, I got a slight delay, so I haven't yeah. seen it yet. Yep. But. Uh, you know, I've made a few changes on the tank, um, you know, trying to, to, you know, get more out of it. Um, so I changed from uh, six uh, Gen 4 Radeons. And with those uh, Gen, 4, Gen 4 Radeons, we're doing just fine. I mean, I, there was nothing wrong with them. Uh, but, I, but I moved up to uh, the Gen 5s. Now, I only have five up um, because one of them was bad out of the box, <laughs> and uh, it's already back, but I don't really have a need to change it. Do, so, uh, do you have a par meter? And, and, uh, yes. Okay. What, what's, what did you uh, find in terms of the difference between the, uh, 
the six gen so, fours and the five gen fives. So it's it's very close to the same. Hmm. Um, actually, I think that the gen fives are a little bit stronger at where they're set. Um, at the main level of the tank, you know, where most of the corals are, uh, they're getting about 500 uh, 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 micromoles, which is which is fine. Um, at the bottom of the tank, it's it's upwards today as, as of about maybe 275. Oh, that's pretty good, man. The bottom. Yeah. 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 So uh, it, it I can color up SPS doesn't matter where they are in the tank. Um, it's, it's, it's a powerhouse and you know, the lights are only set at 50%. It really? literally at that depth, wow. uh, at a hundred percent, it puts out a, a thousand micromoles. It's, it's literally 10 times, whatever the setting is. So it works out perfect when it's at 50%, it's at 500. Wow. So that's, um, that's pretty sweet. So, uh, refresh our memories in terms of how long of a tank that is. How how what? How long of a tank? How long is okay, a tank? Okay, so the, the tank is 62 inches long, 36 inches front to back. Nice. And 27 inches tall. So I know a lot of people, because when they see it in pictures, they think it's smaller than it is. But uh, it, it's it's a good amount of water. And uh, it's it's the corals are pretty far down in the water as well. Would you make any changes now with the dimensions of that tank, or are you happy with what you have? I'm happy with it. I, if I, if anything, I would have gone shallower. Yes. Yeah. I would have gone shallower. Um, but at the time, it was made for my previous home, and, uh, you know, I, I just wasn't – how can I say? I, I was restricted on the length. So right. I was trying to get as many gallons out of it as possible. And originally the sump and everything was going to be in the garage because it was on an exterior wall. It would have been awesome, but we ended up moving. So everything's underneath. So you moved the tank or you bought the tank, then you moved and then you bought the tank, moved, then then we moved. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, at least I didn't have to tear down a tank, you know, that was, yeah, that's not fun. That the good part. Yeah. That's but, not fun. um, but yeah, so now where it is, it's, you know, there was no way to do a remote sump. Uh, so, uh, vertex, uh, built me a custom sump and, uh, came out beautiful. Yeah. We, uh, saw, we've, we've, we've seen it before. Yeah. Yeah, the hybrid PVC sumps. Um, yeah. I did change out my protein skimmer. I went from the uh, Vertex Alpha uh, to the Ultra Reef uh, Typhoon 250. Oh, that's like the thing that is built like a... Yeah. I mean, like... like nothing else. Right. That thing. I'm, <laughs> I, I lifted one of those things up at a Reef of Palooza. I couldn't believe how heavy yeah. that thing was. I mean, that is yeah, solid. I mean, I didn't think I'd ever see anything that was built sturdier than a Bubble King or, or you know, a Vertex. But they just went completely overboard because they, they basically built it, built it out of one-inch thick blocks and milled everything down. So, yeah, it's definitely, uh, uh, you know, a, a, fun, a, a fun little skimmer to have. And I, I have been very, very pleased with the CHA pump that's on it. Oh. So it's basically an SDC 9000 uh, that's converted into a skimmer pump. It's been very reliable. 
um, never overflows. It just does its thing. Well, that's the whole thing about a skimmer, right? You, you just want to basically turn it on and you don't yep. really want to have to tinker with the thing, right? I mean, you just want it to be a turnkey type of skimmer and that's not something that you should really be worrying about in terms of equipment with a reef tank. That should be something that's a set, a set it and forget it type of thing. For sure. For sure. That, that's, that's my, that's, I feel the same way. Um, the other thing I do like to have as big of a skimmer as I can possibly have simply because uh, I feel that the skimmer is, is great for oxygen exchange. And uh, I thought I had a big skimmer with the Alpha 250, but the pH jumped up 0.2 just from changing the skimmer. Really? Yes. Well, so because what... of so much more air yeah. in the from the pump. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. I never heard that before in terms of a yeah. skimmer can actually increase the pH. That's um Yeah. So what what is your pH range right now? Low to low to high. A low is about 8.1, high can get as high as 8.4. Yeah. That's uh that's a sweet range, you know. And I'm and I'm running a calcium reactor. Um still the reef octopus. Still the reef octopus. Now I've done a few things to to help with the pH. Um, so my calcium reactor only runs during the daytime when the lights are on. Right. So when I'm run when my calcium reactor is on the P, I mean the pH in the calcium reactor is down at uh, six point one five. So it's a very potent effluent that's coming out of it. You know, with running it that low. Uh, but at night it cuts off. Right. And so the pH doesn't really drop that much. So that's, that's kind of helping combat that. Um, I'm not running Kalkwasser or anything like that, uh, yet. Um, but I, you know, I have plans to, to run Kalkwasser. I already got a reactor for it. I just haven't implemented it yet. Yeah, that's that's pretty much. I'm like leaning heavily on Cogwasser. You know, I, I'm running the um, on both of my systems. I have a reef, reef octopus. Um, I've got the same one that you have mm -hmm. on my um, 446 gallon system, and then I have a um, the dual chamber uh, eight inch chambers. Mm -hmm. I think the reef octopus on the um, the uh, Peninsula tank system, and yeah, I mean, I don't think my reactors are going on that often because I'm I'm dosing. Probably, what is it, about 28 gallons of Cockwasser every two weeks for each system. Right. So it's, it's a lot, you know, and my pH is in the 8.2 to 8.5 range. And um, I'm also dripping the effluent from both of those calcium reactors into the uh, skimmer pump. And people might say, what are you, crazy? But um, it's, uh, it's, not, it, it's not a problem. Absolutely. It's not a problem in terms of season up. Yeah, so, so, so my... The way my sump was designed, uh, Vertex actually designed the, the effluent uh, where it drips is right next to the skimmer pump. So Right, and, and, and what we're talking about, folks, for those that don't know, is that there, there's a, um, that's a very high point of aeration, a high, high air exchange with that absolutely. skimmer pump. So when you, um, when you do drip that effluent in there, you're getting... Um, you know the uh, the CO two is is getting absorbed in that gas exchange, so it's get it's getting degassed. I right. guess you could say. And people who you know you may you may hear me say you know that my effluent is is six point one five, and that's extremely low. 
But in addition to that, it's a full screen. Right. There's no, there's no uh, uh, meter. There's no way, nothing stopping the flow. It's a full screen that comes out. Of right. It. I remember you're not using a, uh, any, any kind of um, pump or whatnot. You're just. Um... I, no, I, I have a small pump that feeds it, but it's not a meter pump. It's just a regular, right. regular pump. Right. Yeah, I think my uh, my effluent it ranges um, from you know six two on one system, and maybe uh, I'll go. So I you know I play around with that. That's how I adjust my calcium reactor in terms of trying to dial in that yeah. uh, alkalinity is raising and lowering that pH of the effluent. And sometimes I have to go all the way down to six one. Sometimes I'm going up to six eight. But yeah, I, I think it's you know it's a lot easier I think to tune a calcium reactor that way versus playing around with the bubble count. On the uh, on the CO two and playing around with the drip count on exactly. the uh, effluent, so it's and it's, and yeah. the great thing is you could do that remotely, right? Yes, yes, and 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 so so with my hydros uh, controller, uh, the calcium reactor is is also it's you know it's got the solenoid that switches on and off with the pH, but at the same point, if the alkalinity test over ten it shuts down the calcium reactor until it gets back down below 9.9. Rob of State New York, thank you very much for that super chat. My late fee and working on convincing the wife refund is only on once this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be back on Thursday. <laughs> thanks, yep. thanks, Rob. Um, all right, we've got a couple of um, random questions here. Sure. Greg, Um Let's see. Uh, John Wright, I'm confused. I recently watched a video where it said skimmers don't introduce oxygen to your tank. But they do blow off CO2. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, uh, that's the thing. And when we're talking about a calcium reactor, that's a lot of CO2 in that water. It's a lot of carbonic acid. Right, and aeration, it just in general, is a really good thing yep. to have for a, uh, for a reef tank, you know. Um, Absolutely. If you're not running a skimmer, then you want to make sure you're getting some good, uh, at least, uh, um, you know, water-air exchange in terms of surface agitation. That's uh, yep. that's another way to achieve that. Um, <clears throat> M Casual Reefer, how accurate would a Cine be as a PAR meter? Does anyone find it reads higher than an Apogee? Any thoughts on that, man? Well, um, BRS did a test a long time ago, and the Senai read closer to their Lycor meter than the Apogee did. So yeah. uh, the Lycor is pretty much the platinum standard of, of PAR meters, although the, the, the Senai has a problem in that it has to be angled properly to to fully capture it doesn't have a domed sensor that captures light from multiple angles so that's a that's a crutch that it has yeah you know i um when i started my peninsula tank i i um i rented one of those um par meters from from brs and i think it was an apogee right i think those are the par meters mm -hmm. that they were renting out and i took some readings back then just to make sure i knew what the par readings were for my new ghl metros uh, lights I also took par reading from my metal halide uh, lit tanks to uh, just to see what I had cranking out right. of those fixtures. And the um, the readings that I got back then were were surprisingly low. Like I, I got ranges like from 150 to maybe up to 300, 350 or whatnot. And then um, 
So uh, Moki Chow, inappropriate reefer, lent me his um, par meter recently because I just got some new um, meters that are replacing that I've replaced my metal halides on, mm -hmm. on one of my display tanks. And the you know so I I, I took the readings again with the metal halides, and uh, they were much higher than they were the um, the last time I took readings. So it must have been user error or something that was going on with that. Possibly, um, I mean you know the par meter. It's in my opinion, it's not an exact science. It'll get you an idea, and 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 uh, being able to rent them from uh, BRS, man, that that's an awesome deal. Um, the par meter that I currently have, I rented, and when it showed up, it was brand new in the box, so it never got returned. Ah, <laughs> good so, idea. <laughs> it was it got sold to me as an open box, you know, because you're renting it. Oh. But it was brand spanking. It was when they first started the program, and I and I called up Ryan. I said, "You're not getting this par meter back." <laughs> <laughs> I gotta I gotta invest in a par meter because um, you know now that I'm running LEDs, I've been I've been running you know the uh, the, the meters for a couple a couple years, two two and a half years, mm -hmm. I guess. And um, you know, over time, right, there will be some. Um, loss in terms of what those things crank out I, is that one reason why you have a uh, par meter is just to kind of like monitor that stuff to see so, what kind of degradation so is going on i have seen no degradation i didn't see any in the gen fours and the g5s are are kind of too new um so i i've never seen any any degradation i mean we're for the most part we don't run them high enough to where we're gonna see much of a degradation uh, as long as those LEDs can run at normal temperature, which virtually all of them have protection circuitry to, you know, to make sure that they do, um, I, they're going to last a good, I mean, we might see a small, maybe 20% degradation at best if you're really running them hard. Yeah. But for most of us who aren't even running them at 100 or anywhere close to 100%, I mean, me, I'm at 50 um, I, I don't, I don't feel I'm going to see any noticeable degradation because they, they run fairly cool. Yeah. I mean, for my meters, I'm running, I'm running those at about, um, well, I think like maybe at least six channels I'm running at a hundred percent. Right. But it's the overall power that dictates it. How much can this, how much heat can the heat sink remove, mm. you know? And, and so. So if you're you can run certain channels at 100 percent, but the heat sinks still remove able to remove that heat. Oh. Gotcha. So yeah, yeah. So what would you say? Five years, six years? I ten. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, the way we the way we use them, yeah, ten. Interesting. You're more likely going to have a a. Uh, I think you're more likely going to have an issue from from salt in the air. Uh, uh, damaging, you know, solder points and stuff like that, um, or or your fans going out because you know we don't clean them. Those that, that's the more likely stuff to break than the actual LEDs degrading. I think. Well, I'll tell you, man. I'm just I've been digging LEDs 
for um, for the last uh, couple of years, and and that's that's why I made the switch to my um, you know from halides to LEDs, and I think I'm going to be happy just from a heat perspective because you know yeah. I, I think every now and then my chiller was was popping on on that system because of the uh, the halides in that display tank. So I don't think so, man. I think uh, I don't think I have to worry about that. But I don't know. It's just I'm running this um, spectrum that mimics 400 watt 20k. You know, um, halides and and um, I I don't know what it is, man. So it's you're a, on the bandwagon that LEDs can grow coral. Shit, yeah. <laughs> that's what I like to hear. You know, and, dude. And I mean, I kind of why I why I went to LED. I mean, I just it, it, like it, uh, you know, Sanjay basically told me a photon's a photon's a photon. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it'll grow coral. <laughs> I have not seen the kind of growth and colors that I've been getting under my LEDs ever in any of my metal yeah. halide lit um, tanks. So I don't know, you know, maybe it's because I've got six fixtures over a, um, a six foot long by 36 inch wide, 20 inch that tall absolutely helps. tank, you know, so I've got that coverage. Um, and that's, and I think, you know, I know people talk about LEDs being extremely expensive and they are if you buy enough of them. Yeah, you know? they are. Uh, because because spread is so important, and when you can get enough to cover every inch and and get lots of overlap and so forth, yeah. it can be quite expensive. But I still remember the days of Sphiligoy uh, metal halides and Geesman metal halides. They weren't cheap. No, and my my Geesman was was like forty eight hundred dollars yeah and i wanted the spillagoy it was like sixty five hundred i uh <laughs> i had one of those that was like the the uh <clears throat> i had a six foot long fixture and i think it had three halides in there plus the uh yep. the t5s man t5s, that yeah. thing was just a freaking beast i mean yeah. that thing and it grew corals like you couldn't believe Absolutely. so um so so people need to understand this the, the price of leds to to those of us that have been around a long time it's still just the price of premium lighting. It's it's very similar, guys. Yeah, yeah. I, so I don't know. It's um, I'm definitely a convert for sure. Now, one thing I did uh, change when I went to the G5s, I also added a couple of uh, the AI uh, blade gr uh, glows. I saw that in the video. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, uh, adaptive reef. Uh, came out with some some uh, nice little brackets that uh, you know you can angle them any way you want. I don't really need the additional spread um, because the tank because the corals are low in the tank. You know the the bounce that I get off of the glass and whatnot. You know helps there, but I just want to see if those additional colors would give me a little something different. You're um. So in the video we saw it, there was a, it was a lot of full spectrum lighting. It looked like, but you like yes. you like the blues too, right, man? I do, um, but the blues don't come on until like six p.m. or so okay. in the evening. Um, and you know, I I like to to look at it in, under the blue lights. I, I I'm sorry I didn't take a video of it, but there's plenty uh, on my Instagram. Yeah. I I literally sit with glasses on, sitting on the sofa watching TV. And my wife's like, are you kidding me? Oh, you're <laughs> you know? wearing the yellow glasses? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. I figure the TV is LED, too, so it looks a little <laughs> warm. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, 
I, I love watching the tank. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of fish, but but I got a lot of colorful coral. Dude, I saw you had a uh, a powder blue uh, tank swimming around in there. With you had some other tanks in there as well. What? That's the first powder blue I've ever got to live in my 25 years of reef keeping. That's that's awesome, man. I I am so bummed because I had a gorgeous powder blue in my peninsula tank that I had to give away because he turned into an asshole. And yeah. <laughs> Well, he's got a yellow tang in there that kind of punks him. So he's, it's the yellow tang that I have to worry about. Really? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I made the mistake of um, getting another, I mean, you know, years and years ago, I had a powder blue and it was fine. And then all of a sudden it just turned evil and, you know, it just went crazy. It, it, it just went batshit crazy against all the other fish and I couldn't put any new fish in and I had to wow. get that out. And then this guy, you know, it was the last tang I had added to that tank. Mm -hmm. um, things were fine. Then all of a sudden, like, the light switch went off, and this thing was like, sorry, I'm king of this tank now. So I've had pretty good good success with, with or introducing new tangs by taping a mirror to the, to the front glass huh. uh, near the center of the tank. And the bully tends to sit there and pick at himself... <laughs> Uh, and it kind of, it kind of gives the, the other tangs time. Um, and it's been, it's been pretty successful, but I don't have hardly any fish in the tank. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, um, I had four, um, pyramid butterfly, yellow pyramid butterfly mm -hmm. fish. I lost all four to some like unknown disease. They just slowly, Oh, that's weird. It is really weird because I didn't put any new fish in that tank for a long time. And, um, they just kind of like one by one. Just, um, wow. Yeah. Well, I, so my buddy had some pyramid butterflies and actually, uh, the dominant one killed all the other ones one by one. Really? He kept, he, he kept picking on whatever one was the smallest. He picked on it until it was dead. Wow. That's so, odd. I mean, I've never seen that yeah. behavior. I've had, this is the second time I've had pyramid butterfly fish and they've all been, um, you know, cool one another. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, you know, the first round they were very, very hardy. I mean, I never imagined I would uh, lose them. So it's, it's weird, man. It's like, it's, you never know what to expect of this hobby. Some, I mean, yeah. especially when you don't bring in anything new, right? Yep. I have a wrasse that I need to get rid of, uh, ever since it's a, uh, a, a margin fairy wrasse. And once he went super male, he killed everything smaller than him. Ooh. Ouch. He killed every wrasse I had, chased them out of the tank, or just killed them. Uh, he killed the Antheus. So I'm, you know, my wife's like, until you get rid of that fish, you're not buying any fish. So I'm not buying any fish. <laughs> Andy, says <laughs> my, uh, Andy says my pyramid started eating my corals. You know, I think I, I, I tried putting um, some Ghanis and some Alveopora in that peninsula tank, and they never, mm -hmm. they never opened up. And I was suspecting that my pyramids might have been um, picking at them. So wow. that's, yeah, and they're supposed to be reef safe. Now, that's a coral. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I can't keep Ghaniaporas. Really? I, I haven't tried in the big tank, but um, in any tank I've ever had, they never open up. They just yeah. stay closed. I don't know why. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Dude, man, I thought you got the Midas touch there. I thought any, I'm, well, you're the SPS guru. Yeah, right? SPS. I, 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 I've been good at LPS.
for softies. Never really tried softies, but yeah, I I, I picked up a few frags of some Ghanis and Alvies, and and um, I don't know what I, I you know I'm not doing anything special for them, but the voice had recently some really really good luck with them. Maybe it's just the um, the, the type of captive raised um, corals that I brought in that I was getting luck with. Um, I see some questions in the chat about uh, CO2 scrubbers and, and what have you. So we were talking, Greg, before about pH and, and what have you. Have you ever um, used a scrubber I, to try to get I your pH did. up? I have a scrubber on the tank now. Um, I have not changed the media in a year. Whoa. That's, <laughs> that's the knock about scrubbers, right, is constantly having to change out the media? So, so to be honest with you, I didn't see it make much of a difference when I put it on. And it could be because I live here in Southern California, our windows are always open in the house. I don't have a high CO2 problem in the house. My house was built in the 60s, so it's not the most uh, airtight either. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not, uh, I, I, I don't think I have high CO2. Oh, so you never, you never um, gotten a meter and, and measured that in that? I've never, I've never gotten a meter to measure it, but this tank has had much higher pH numbers than any tank I've ever had. Yeah, dude. I mean, if you're, um, if you're running a calcium reactor and you're not doing Kalkwasser, and um, yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, you're not doing anything in terms of nutrient export, right? You're just doing the skimming. The skimmer. Skimmer, right? No, no macro. No carbon, no... No media at all. Right. No. No. Uh, no. No. No refugium. No, no macro. No refugium. No turf scrubber. None of that. Um, what was I going to ask? So why are you considering a cockwasser? Um. Well, so I don't have to run the calcium reactor so hard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. You know, I mean, that's is to running the pH. Does it turn? Say it doesn't, but you know, you're, you're running that stuff. I, 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 I got off of it, man, because they changed the formula on me. You know, stuff that stuff melts at like six point seven yeah. or six point nine. Yeah. I mean, it melts fairly high, and I'm running it at six point one. So, I mean, it. It, I go through it pretty quick. Um, why, um, why, why that media, not something that's got a lower melting point. So I, so, so when I filled it, the reborn, uh, was not doing, you know, that was when they were, had changed yeah. sources of it. So I, cause I used to always run reborn yeah. and, and, uh, you know, being sponsored by Brightwell, I got the coral Lazarus. And the coral Lazarus, uh, what I was told is it was sourced by Carib Sea. So uh, it's just a different size than what Carib Sea. Gotcha. Yeah, I've been, um, I've been running uh, Julian's Reborn for, uh, for a few years. And um, I just finished up the, the, uh, the smaller particle size one that uh, is, has been phased out. And, and I got a whole bag waiting of the, um, of the new stuff that I think was what he used to have, like the larger particle size so i'm really i'm sorry right. the um yeah he's gone back to the old to the old size yeah. um but you have plenty of calcium reactor media that i don't 
it's going to be a while until <laughs> till I need any. Um, one comment that Andy made about um, your um, issues in terms of keeping gunnies and Alvia poor is he, he thought maybe you have too much flow in there. I mean, yeah, I mean, it could be you could be too so, much cranking, so, too much par. Yeah. Um, one of the things about me is most people know I do everything to excess. So, so considering the dimensions of my tank, there is an awful lot of flow in there. I have uh, I added recently the Hydra Wizard uh, ECM sixty three, so that that's at the back wall on the uh, left hand side of the tank, and blows across the back wall to create a gyre going around the tank. Then I also have two MP sixties at the ends of the tank and two MP forties on the back wall. So there's a lot of flow, and uh, you know. I regularly run the the Hydro Wizard at probably fifty to sixty percent, but occasionally I turn it up to a hundred percent and leave it on for a couple of days at a hundred percent. I get the the that's the beauty of being bare bottom. <laughs> you know, you can handle the excess flow. That that's another thing that um, I'm a big convert on now is is bare bottom tanks. I never used to have bare bottom tanks when I started the Peninsula tank. That's a bare bottom tank. Um, I just um, recently took the sand bed out of my other display tank, so now that's bare bottom. Yep. And dude, it's just it's I you know listen, I I get the sand bed thing. I used to keep sand beds. Sand beds look great. That's all I can say the good about them. I mean, there's no real, you know, especially once your tank is seasoned. You just don't need that sand anymore. Yeah, and and to get the kind of flow that you want for an SPS dominant tank. I mean, for my yeah. Peninsula tank, a six foot run, I needed to have like a lot of pumping power in that end panel to um, yeah. to get the kind of flow that I needed in there. And and there was no way that sand was going to um, you know hold in place. But yeah, you know, I know I know people um, you know say hey, you could just use the large particle size like calcium reactor media or something like that, or calcium reactor media, whatever small size, what you know that'll that'll stay in place. But I always used to have like sloppy sand beds anyway; they were just not pretty to look at. And I'm, right, know, there's uh, there's some awesome looking sand beds out there, and it's a great look. And I uh, I admire people that can maintain that kind of sand bed and keep a lot of SPS. You know that's absolutely, and you know and I. I will say I, I do a lot of playing with the flow. Um, right now, um, I have like the MP60s on a wave mode where they're on anti-sync. So it, it creates a nice rocking motion back and forth in the tank. Um, that's been fun, you know, just seeing the, the fish and stuff, you know, kind of sway back and forth. Um, in the video uh, that we played earlier, uh, you could even see my uh, powder blue tang playing in the flow from the Hydro Wizard, you know, what, um, scooping down. What mode is that? So it's 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 the wave mode on the MP60s. Okay, wave mode. Yeah, and and so there, so you figured out the resonance frequency, and then I hit for the second one. I put it on slave mode, but anti-sync, so it's the opposite. Okay. So it's a push and pull back and forth. Nice. So I gotta. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like excited to play around with my uh, my MP40s in that uh, that tank now. I will tell you um, the only thing less enjoyable in trying to set up that the wave mode with the uh, with the uh, Ecotech pumps 
is the Hydra Wizard because I can't still can't figure that one out. Oh yeah, it, that one's even harder to deal with. But uh, Tunzi is absolutely the easiest. <laughs> you know, I really missed uh, when it came to trying to set up a wave mode. I really missed the Tunzis. You know, so um, Reef Keeper uh, Pulse Mode. Yeah, I've got my um, I've got all my MP40s in, in that one display tank on Pulse Mode. It's um, it's very um, very very um, vanilla, I guess you could yeah. say, in terms of that. I'm not uh, and, and my uh, Peninsula tank, I got all my uh, my four MP40s and two MP60s on the gyro mode. So yeah, it seems to work. But um, interesting. I might have to. Um... Yeah, I just was sitting on the sofa one day and just started playing with it and and got it to work. And then I hooked. I I, I started with just the one MP60. And then, and then, use the other one as a slave. Bill Saltwater Heaven. I have fine sand and super highway washing machine flow large SPS. Bill, man, that is a uh, more power to you, dude. You can absolutely do it, um, but I just, I, I really enjoy uh, just not having to worry about the sand with high flow and, and you know i think again talking about sps dominant tanks i think you just want to try to recreate that washing machine effect right you just yeah. want to just see a lot of water moving around and stuff and the more you can kind of see the polyps going back and forth the better and that's absolutely that was like uh you know one of the reasons you know one of the, the things that i noticed in the end of my peninsula tank was that i didn't really have the kind of movement in the polyps that i had on, on other parts of that tank and so right. that's where I had to um, add more flow or change the uh, patterns of the flow. So right, and and you know I will say I've never with with all the flow since adding that hydro wizard. Well, you know, just in terms of looking at the corals in your tank, there, Greg, man, it's uh, you, you got some happy campers in there. How um, how often are you adding new, um, you know, frags to that uh, system? Are you kind of like at a point now where you're you're good, or are you uh, still kind of like occasionally? I I will like you know, I have room. I try not to go to places <laughs> because it's so because you're gonna buy stuff. Yeah, and and. You know, one of the things I, when, you know, when I started the tank, uh, I wanted to do it similar to the other. I bought a bunch of brown coral, you know, just to see what they do. Um, most of my corals are mounted on, on rocks. Uh, my daughter used to paint Acropora, and, and uh, Joe at Unique Corals gave her a bucket of dead coral. One of the things she likes to do is put them in in frames and so forth. So she doesn't need the bases. So those aquacultured rock bases, cut them off, and I mount frags to that and yeah. let them grow. And usually, you know, they they just sit on the bottom uh, of the tank. And some, if they turn out to be nice, I'll move them up. But I I'm one of those people who who moves corals around based on how they react. You know, like, oh, you know, the color's just okay. I wonder if I move it here, 
you know, will it get better? And, and so for me, it's always that let's find out what's the best place where it's going to get the best color. Sometimes I, you know, frag the frag and use and grow two of them out, you know, just to see if I can get better color. Yeah. So I'm, I'm seeing some comments here about Greg's, uh, audio cutting in and out. Um, oh, sorry about that. Is, um, everybody seeing that? I think, um, I've, I've seen you kind of like, um, cut in and out a couple of times, but your audio sounds really good to me. All right. Um, well, I, I mean, I have, I have what looks to be full Wi-Fi, and I got fiber, so <laughs> it should yeah. be good. Yeah, no, you're, 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 you sound good and look good to me. Folks, if it's still an issue. It might be because I keep backing away. Oh. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's it. Okay. So. Um, my corals look much better with the miracle. All right, so we're, uh, we're getting to some other topics here. I, I saw um, Bert wanted to talk about, um, well, I thought one, one, one was UV and um, Cockwasser. I think we've been talking about that. But, but yeah, in terms of, I, I can't recall, Greg, were you, are you using a UV sterilizer at this point? No. No. No UV sterilizer. I've actually never used a UV sterilizer. I have, uh, I have used ozone, uh, which, which works similarly uh, through the skimmer. Um, but I've been really resistant and a lot of it has to do with you doing your interviews with the guy from Aquabiomics. Yeah. You know, talking about how, how he can tell when a tank has got a UV sterilizer or, or, uh, yeah. or, or ozone, you know, because it's killing a particular type of bacteria. And so, so I'm resistant to do that, to, to add that to my regiment. Yeah, you know, so both of my systems, I'm running UV, and you know, I've, I've sent um, tests into to, to uh, Eli, and yeah, it um, it comes back, and he's like, yeah, you're not running UV because I can tell there's a certain bacteria that's not um, that's not showing up. That's just very indicative of a tank that doesn't have UV. And the reason why I run UV is, um, you know, one for fish disease. You know, I'm, I know it's not mm -hmm. going to be a, a, a way to solve all the different uh, types of fish disease. And in fact, I, I've had some issues with, with fish disease, but, um, you know, I think it, it, it possibly could help at, at, um, at some degree, at some level. The other thing I like it is um, in case uh, dinos uh, outbreak, you know, I had um, nutrients on one of my systems just bottomed out on me. Uh, mm -hmm. a few weeks ago but i didn't get dinos and maybe it was because i had a uv sterilizer running on that um system i don't possibly. know possibly um you know for the last probably three months i my my phosphate was down at damn near zero and my nitrate was at zero or one row and uh i didn't I didn't have any issues like dinos pop up or anything like that i just think uh, you know, there may be more. I, I just don't think we understand what causes dinos enough to to jump to the conclusion that it's bottomed out nutrients. Um, Fair enough. Because I I I, I kind of I have to wonder: is bottomed out nutrients the symptom or the cause? And I don't know. Mm. I kind of think yeah. maybe it's the symptom. Maybe. Maybe the dinos, when they take hold, they bottom out the the nutrients. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. So, so when, when your um when your nutrients bottomed out, what what did you notice with your corals? nothing? 
no fading, no no. They got a little lighter, so that's why I started cutting back on the, on the light. Um, because uh, I was up at sixty five percent. I was I was getting par numbers of six six fifty, uh, up until uh maybe a month and a half ago, and I've been slowly dialing it back to bring the numbers down to five hundred. Gotcha. Yeah, I you know so when when my um, nitrates and phosphates bottomed out. I definitely, uh, you know, noticed some corals were, uh, were were faded a little bit, and I, you know, so the reason why they had bottomed out was because I had been fighting cyano in this system, you know, for um, for a couple of years. So I wanted to try to get the nutrients down. So I was dosing a lot of nitrates and, and phosphates. So I cut that back gradually over time. But you know, when I got all the way down to near zero in terms of dosing that stuff, that's when I noticed. You know the uh, the coral started to fade and and my nutrients you know were almost at zero for uh, for both so so I was like all right well I'm gonna have to like start bumping the uh, the dosing up again because we don't want unhappy corals and and right. um, you know it's and maybe it's a function of pulling the sand bed out of that tank but the uh, the cyano really hasn't gotten any worse and in fact it's maybe improved a little bit since I've started dosing okay. and getting those numbers up it's uh you know what it's it's kind of like a mystery right in terms of um the cyano and and that sort of stuff i mean have have you ever um you know had issues with cyano it looks like in that tank you have not so no 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 there there is actually small little patches of cyano in corners and and so forth um but it's i mean if I was to measure it by square inches, it might be maybe five square inches at best. Yeah, not bad. At best. So, I mean, it's it's just little bits here and there and cracks and so forth. And I squirt it with the turkey baster every now and then. And once it's in the water column, it's going to make it through the filtration. So, yeah. but but nothing nothing that I've had to worry about, nothing that I, I feel I have to maintain. Um, I, I really do my best to keep my hands out of the tank. Uh, whenever I get anything out of the tank, it's typically uh, uh, using tongs um, because it's 27 inches tall and I'm only 5'7", so I don't got long arms. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, just I, I feel that's always better for the health of the tank to do as be best a job you can as keeping the hands out. Yeah, no, I, I'm a big advocate of that myself. Yeah, yeah, you know, in in um in terms of the cyano and all that stuff. Yeah, I think for me, another big part in terms of beating it back is I take a a power head and wherever I, you know wherever I see it on the rocks, I'll blow it off the rocks. If it's a little on the glass bottom, I'll blow it off the glass bottom. Get it into the water column. I'll siphon some stuff out if I uh you know if there's enough to siphon out in one spot. Right. And then I also have this um water polisher, like a uh, canister filter type of thing that I put into the tank after I do that. So not only is it getting pulled out by the mechanical filtration, but this mm -hmm. polishing filter will... Um, is it the Marine Land one? Yes. Yes, that is awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little one too, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just powered with a, uh, with a maxi jet. You know, that's what's in the top there. But it... So... so People wonder a lot of times how, you know, they set up these tanks at the shows and so forth and get the water so crystal clear. Let me tell you, if you walk through on Friday, they all got those little maxi jet uh, uh, filters on them. Yeah. It, yeah. It is a, they work really good. I got the idea from Rich Ross. I saw he, um, he, he had um, he, he showed one in one of his talks 
about the um, about yeah. fighting uh, problematic algae. And man, it's um, not not expensive. And mm -mm, it's a, not uh, at all. It, and you can, I mean, you can get them anywhere. You can get them on. A with the water and turn it on in that bucket and it'll, you know, basically become even better at polishing because it'll clog the pores slightly. So it uh, okay. becomes a I've never heard of that. filter. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've never heard of that. They, Interesting. It was the, it was the Marine line guy who told me that. Really? Yeah. Hmm. At the show. Yeah. No. So I think, you know, I'm I'm not a big advocate of using chemicals to uh, to fight algae and all that stuff. I just think that um, you know, rolling up the sleeves and and doing the work and and absolutely, um, you know, you gotta like. Have you ever used like ChemiClean or um, Fluconazole and so all that stuff? I did use ChemiClean uh, back here in January ish uh, because I was having a bacterial issue. At least that's what I think it was. Uh, with some of the corals, and uh, after doing it, it stopped. Um, basically, I didn't have that, uh, the one that you used. The It was the only antibiotic I had on hand. Oh, alkalinic acid. Yeah, and I just wasn't willing to wait. So I'm like, let's just do this and see what happens. And literally, after I did it, I didn't have any more tissue loss at all. It just completely stopped. So you were getting some um, RTN, STN, some episodes. STN, STN. Yeah. So you, any, any, any. Uh, I mean, I know it's always a mystery in terms of why that stuff happens. Any theories in terms of why that might have started happening? Did you make any changes? Uh, maybe. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really not uh, one to. Uh, you know, like I didn't send out any test aquabiomics or anything like yeah. that. I'm, I'm just, you know, I didn't do that. But I did, you know, I checked everything. I checked my salinity. I checked my my parameters. I sent out an ICP test. It literally came back with one yellow. Everything <laughs> else was in the green. Yeah. I never had an ICP test that good. So I just was like, you know what? I got a bottle of ChemiClean. The tank's 280 gallons. This treats 300. Pour the bottle in. Yeah. And it yeah. stopped. And it's Did been um, it's been an amazing recovery. I mean, almost all the corals are, you know, darn. I mean, we're probably at 95% recovery. There's still some tips that it's just growing over, but they haven't started to sprout off of those grow over tips and stuff like that but yeah it's it's been a great recovery when when you get um stn events going on right the uh, the slow tissue necrosis do do you find that um the corals can be saved by just kind of um remedying the situation by using antibiotics and and um stopping that recession or have you found that you need to go in pull the colony out frag the crap out of it and hope that some of those frags live. So, yeah, um, I've done it both ways in the old days. That's what I did would pull the, pull the colony out, frag it. I don't think we ever really thought about adding antibiotics, uh, to the tank. Um, and most of the time, all the frags died. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, so so uh, with this one, it was happening like I would have STN, and then it would like kind of subside for a little bit. Then it would happen a little bit more, or a different colony. It was so weird the way it was jumping around, and I just was like, you know what? I'm just gonna dose it. Let's see what happens. It's it's such a depressing thing. I've talked about this before in terms of my own experience with it happening. And that is like, you know, you, it, you get these random events, um, you know, all of a sudden you're like, oh, this coral's not looking good. And then the next right. day it's like there's some bleaching going on. And then, you know, you're, you're afraid to look at the tank because you don't want to look at the corals too closely because you're afraid. <laughs> you're afraid you're, afraid you're going to see something wrong. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, yeah. Um, you know, so, Go ahead. Um, Russell says 100% success with witch hazel dips. I forgot to mention, I did do witch hazel too. I did the Mike Paletta witch hazel in tank uh, treatment. In tank treatment, and nothing, nothing worked. It didn't. It didn't. So that's. I mean, that's what I said. I just threw it in. If that wouldn't have worked, I probably would have bought the oxalonic acid. But I just, you know. I had that dosing too. Uh, you know, Jake had given it to me a long time ago, and I just never needed it. You know, but I oh the OA. But I had the I had the recipe, or you know, for the for the dosing. You had it. that in your back yeah. pocket. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, I mean, I talked about this with um, with Eli and Andy on on the uh, last episode that uh, we had in terms of the live stream about. Um, Doing dips to prevent uh, pathogenic uh, bacteria from entering the uh, the tank, and and is that something you've thought about doing, like dipping no. incoming frags? Never thought about it, um, but I do know that a lot of bacteria comes in on coral uh, from Jake. I mean, you know, just in my conversations with him, uh, you know, he always it was one of the reasons why he always said you don't even need to cycle a tank, just just throw coral in there. And it'll bring all the bacteria with it, you yeah. know. So yeah, um, so yeah. I mean, but I, yeah, I've never thought about doing that. I know, I know, people have been successful with that with these torch corals and whatnot. Um, but yeah. So um, here's an interesting question from John Wright. Um, Reefbone, what's your opinion on higher phosphates? Rich Ross doesn't seem worried about high phosphates. Um, I've had a lot of, um, success with low, low phosphates. It seems like my tanks are always running on, on lower, uh, phosphates, not necessarily higher phosphates. What's, what's been your experience? Uh, I think Bert, Bert kind of nailed my experience. Um, I, personally, I don't chase numbers. I, I, I kind of say chase results. Um, it just settles out where it settles out right now. It happens to be damn near zero. Uh, sometimes it's 0 0.2, 0 0.1, 0 0.3. It's been as high as 0 0.4. Um, I, I, I don't really worry about it unless I'm seeing, I'm seeing a problem. Yeah. Um, because I don't test phosphates, but maybe every two weeks at best. Yeah. And I'm not even, I'm not even testing with a Hannah, I'm testing with that aqua spin. So it's, it's, it only goes down to, you know, one tenth. So wow. it's not even super, give me a super number. Now, now mind you, 
if it gives me a number that's in that 0.3.4 range, I am definitely breaking out the HANA to verify it. Oftentimes, it, the, the Aquaspin tends to read high. You know, when it reads 0.1, it's been 0.03. You know, I mean, but yeah, I, I, I don't worry about it too much. Um, I can kind of tell how high the phosphates are based on how long it takes for algae to grow on the glass. Yeah. How often do you clean the glass? Uh, once a week. I do mine like every other day. Well, no, no, no. I mean, it's growing algae. I just, during the week, I don't touch it. I oh. do it every Friday. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can look through a green-tinted tank? Yeah. It's, it, right. I, I, I don't worry about it. Right. You know, and it's, it's, it's not that bad, but... I mean, it can, it can, I mean, it's not great today for sure. You know, I've, um, I've talked a lot about this and my disdain for phosphate test kits. And I know a lot of people have, um, yep. did you, uh, yep. Huh? I'm oh, here. We still got you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I've always had, um, a lot of trouble getting, I think somewhat accurate measurement with a test kit for phosphate. I've got, um, I've got a number of different, uh, I've got the Hannah checker. I've got the, um, Milwaukee. Um, and man, I just, it, you know, I, I, I don't trust a lot of the, uh, the phosphate readings I get from these test kits. And so that, you know, I kind of lean on the ICP testing to, right. to get that. Um, now how often are you ICP testing once a month? Okay. You know, so I'm doing I'm doing it far less than that, maybe once every three months. Um, so so Joe of Unique Corals did a talk at our club one day, and he basically suggested, "Hey, do a test when everything's looking good, yeah, and maybe do one every three months. But then if you have a problem or you see." Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm I'm doing monthly because I've I've been for like the past. You do the reef moonshiners, right? No, I'm I'm doing I'm doing the captivate aquaculture. Okay. Those traces. Okay. So similar. Chris is similar a, type. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. You know, Chris has got a spreadsheet, so I'll nice. just take Chris Wood from uh, Captivate Agriculture. So I'll just take the um, ICP test results, pop it in that spreadsheet, and um, yeah, just just dosing accordingly. See, I wish more companies would do that kind of thing. the The fact that you can just easily figure out how much you need to dose to get back to where you want to be, I I think that's uh, that's just genius. You know, I mean, it, it really is. And I wish more companies uh, would do it. It, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me, you know, in, in, in terms of that, you know, if, if that's the way you want to replenish, you know, trace elements, I think, um, are, are you pretty much leaning on water changes to do that? Is, is that your uh, method? Or are you not as concerned with the, uh, the, the, all the different trace elements in terms of keeping that stuff in balance? Uh, primarily I've been water changes in the calcium reactor. Yeah. We, we know calcium reactors reintroduce, uh, the, the trace elements as well. So that's 
though that's my primary yeah you know i think um I've cut back on my water changes. I used to do like 10% weekly water changes, but since I've started doing the, um, you know, using the, the captivate agriculture uh, traces, I've, I've cut my water changes back to 5% weekly. So yeah, I think I think every tank you, you find it, you find the balance, and um, you want to just look at the animals, right? You want to look at your corals, yep. and if the corals are happy, then you know you're doing something right. Absolutely, and and you know I truly do believe in water changes. Um, whenever someone's having a problem, I, I always recommend a water change. Don't wait to get your results back. You can go ahead and send in an ICP test, do a water change, do a water change. It's, it's, it's an easy, it's, 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 a, it's an easy reset button. Yes. Yeah. You know, if there's a problem, you know, that that's, that's the way you do it. And you know, one of the things, uh, that I also learned is uh, it's probably a good idea to to uh, ICP test your freshwater as well. Yes, I've um, I've done that with uh, Fauna Marine. Um, gives you a uh, an extra vial nice. for the RODI, and and so I've um, I've done that just to yeah, yeah. make sure there's yes. nothing going so on. Steve with the... from ICP analysis, he made a great case for it, and he said. What do you add more of? Do you add more fresh water to your tank or do you add more salt water to your tank? And when you start counting on how much ATO you go through, you put a lot of fresh water yeah. into the tank. Yeah. So he's like, it can make a difference, yeah. you know, especially if you don't realize, you know, TDS doesn't measure everything. So, well, you know, one, one, one element that um, I think some water supplies have um, not a, are, are deficient in fluoride. Right. There's um, there's some some uh, water supplies that don't have, um, you know, maybe a, a, as much fluoride as you would like in your reef tank. So one of the things that I started to um, to dose was fluoride based on my ICP test results that I was getting back from Fauna Marine. And, dude, let me tell you, the um, the blues on the tips on some of my acros just really started popping when nice. I started dosing okay. the fluoride. But that's you know, that is something that you don't want to dose no. until you know what you got. Right. Right. But that that was one. So can I just use toothpaste? <laughs> you could use whatever you want, dude. <laughs> so. um, Reef Keeper is asking me, are you using the Isolate MT or individual traces or both? I'm using the individual traces. Um, the Isolate MT um, is is more of a, it, it it's kind of combines a few of the uh, the traces in, in, in one solution. And then there's another way to go where you can just dose those. Um, you can you can be more specific and and um, break that stuff up and just be more fine have more fine tuned dosing in terms of those right. uh, those trace elements. What uh, what salt are you using? So. all day get instant ocean from petco and get it dirt cheap um and it works i i used to use nothing but instant ocean on my old tank so so i trust in it you know i don't i don't think uh 
you know, think it's a big deal. I do like the Brightwell because the Brightwell comes in and around the parameters that I that I keep. So, um, so yeah. So Greg's audio is gone again. This is weird because I could hear you uh, fine. I know. I we're we're hearing each other. Yeah, because usually if, if the audio is out, then um, I would hear that. My yeah, hand, but um, back up. Huh. Well, hopefully, hopefully it. You know, in the re when you post it, it the audio is cleared up. But yeah, well, you know what? It's just like one of those like uh, mysteries of the internet. <laughs> I guess so. you got fiber. I got fiber. And yeah. go figure. But you know what? I mean, maybe there's like uh, high traffic in your uh, neighborhood, dude. I mean, it could be. That's one thing that uh, can impact the uh, you know the strength. That's what they say. But you know, it's only just five o'clock, so most people are are just getting home, if anything. So they say you're back, and now, now I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> so what salt again? Uh, it's Brightwell that I use. Brightwell. Uh, but I but I regularly. You know, when 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 I'm out, I'm not like quick to go reorder Brightwell. I use whatever's easy that I can get easy. I mean, you know, when BRS was doing their uh, their their little sale uh, over uh, uh, Black Friday, and they were giving out those coupons, and you were getting extra things, I was just ordering salt left and right. I ordered Red Sea. I ordered uh, the was it HW Marine mix. I ordered all these different brands of salt, um, and yeah, I, I I can use them all. I doesn't doesn't bother me. I don't care if it matches what I what I use because the calcium reactor is gonna gonna catch up based on the alkalinity reading anyway. So yeah, yep, um, yeah. You know I. The one reason I'm so I'm using the, the captivate aquaculture salt and and the um, yeah, that's a four part um, so there's two parts in terms of the solid and two parts liquid. If you're familiar with the ESV salt, that's a similar yep. type of principle. Yep. And um, you know I think I think the the one advantage with those types of mixes is that um, you never have the issue potentially of um, you know something settling in a ma ma mass batch of salt. And that's what kind of always scared me about the mass. It never happened to me, so, but I've heard some stories. So I will tell you this. Uh, because I use all these different brands of salt, you know, stuff gets built up in the, in the uh, tank. And so um, I regularly will go in uh, prior to a water change and scrub down the uh, – the tank, the mixing container, oh. and pump that brown water right into the tank. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Oh, I mean, it, it came in the bucket of salt, right? <laughs> so it's supposed to be there. I guess. <laughs> I mean, Dude, I'm so I, bummed out because I got... The, the skimmer is going to pull it all out anyway. I, I just... You know, more than likely, it's it's some some form of organics. You know, especially when it's brown. Um, I I don't I I don't worry about it. I mean, that that darn brown residue from yeah. IO is it pissed me off, man. Because I got these beautiful graduated fifty gallon drums. You know, poly um, urethane. Same here. Mine are sixty five gallon. Yep. Yeah. 
beautiful I drums. I take that and, brush and dude, I took a, I took a, I took a power washer to it. It wouldn't come off. I was just yeah. like, I took it outside. I was blasting it, and it couldn't the come off. The easiest way is just to fill it and then dump a bag of citric acid in it. But oh. you know that that'll clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and just run it just like you would if you were mixing salt. Go nuclear. But yeah, no, I, I I scrub that. Yeah. It's crystal clear again with the skimmer. So, um, what was I going to ask you? So, all right, I was watching one of your lives with uh, with O, I think, mm-hmm. and and um, you guys were talking about. Um, Fish, and I know you, you mentioned you don't have a lot of fish, but I think one thing that I heard you say is that you want a regal angel fish. I do. I've always wanted one. I always wanted a powder blue. I got the powder blue. I've always wanted a regal uh, angel. Um, eventually, I will find one, um, but I'm in, no, I'm in no hurry. The tank's not going nowhere, so I don't, I don't rush over these things and, like, I got to have it. Yeah. So... Beautiful fish. I've, I've had um, I've had some good success and I've had some not so good success. I had this gorgeous um, misbarred regal from Biota that I bought off of somebody. Actually, I picked it up at uh, last year's Reef of Palooza. Okay, I, I met the uh, the guy. Yeah, I would definitely like to get a captive raised one. But dude, I put it in the tank display tank with all frags, uh-huh. and it just like went to town. I mean, oh. everything kind of like closed up on me. I had to, um, I had to, I had to catch it, and uh, I sold right. it and broke my heart. But I think that um, I think the odds of that happening are uh, much higher if you have a tank with just frags in it, right? You know, because I've got a regal um, um, in my uh, peninsula tank, and you know he'll he'll pick every now and then on a uh, you know colony and stuff. But um, it's just kind of like you know a large colony can. I, can take it but when you've got small frags and you're constantly they're constantly under stress closing up and all that stuff i just don't think that's a good thing but i think with your yeah. tank you're you're probably going to be fine because it looks like it's pretty there's a lot of there's a lot for him to to, to nibble on yeah so. <laughs> and you don't have any lps either so no well yeah there's a couple of chalices yeah um you know that's about it um what was I going to ask? Oh, yeah. The, the other thing I was going to ask you about, um, bacteria dosing. Do you do that? So I did in the beginning. Um, I haven't dosed any bacteria uh, recently. Um, it's my preferred method of reducing nutrients when nutrients are out of control. So if phosphate gets high, I will more than likely dose some bacteria and some carbon to uh to get it back um because i have the big skimmer uh yeah. that's you know I've, I've always used carbon dosing for that yep yep um all right man let's uh let's talk about a couple of other things that are really important yeah. here one is um you know you are still the uh, the president of the southern california marine aquarium society what's going on with that club man how how uh, did you guys rebound from the pandemic i mean a lot of clubs so- are doing virtual have you guys gone back in person and so we are doing quarterly in-person meetings nice. and the rest are on Zoom. And the in-person meetings are also broadcast 
on Zoom. Nice. Uh, one of the things that happened uh, during the pandemic is because we started meeting on Zoom and I started, ad, you know, like putting putting up the meetings in my Instagram. It's like a third of our club doesn't live in California now. Really? <laughs> so we got a large number of out of state members. So I. I look at it as they they're the ones that carried this club and made it continue on through the pandemic where a lot of clubs folded. Uh, we did not uh, because of that. Um, so so. I love the Zoom meetings. We we do the Zoom meetings and then after the meeting is over, we hang out and showing off each other's tank. It's like a tank tour every meeting. Oh, you, you guys! Know? You guys have a meeting at, at different club members' uh, house every. Uh, no, no, no. But because of Zoom, oh, oh okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And we're able to show everybody's. Everybody's able to show their tank, and you know, we spotlight it, and That's you know, awesome. ask questions, and and all that stuff. I mean, it's it, the. I thought I think the Zoom meetings are the greatest thing since sliced bread for for a club. But there are those who still desire those in person meetings. But you know, when when I go. fashion to drink, uh, you know, or a rum and Coke. I, you know, I can't have that, you know, so I'm, so I'm eating pancakes, which is not really what I wanted to eat, you know, but I'll do it, but we're only doing it quarterly. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it sounds like that's a nice hybrid approach, yeah. you know, in terms of having both the, uh, the online stuff. So people that are not in the area can be involved, right? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, our, our last meeting was, was a total failure. Our last in-person meeting. Uh, so I had gotten a new computer since we had done, since I had last done a presentation and realized that my USB-C doesn't plug into anything for the projector. So literally every Zoom that was in the meeting so that they could see the presentation because I couldn't broadcast it on the screen yeah. so everybody was you know on zoom sitting in the meeting <laughs> along with the people who were from out of out of state you know on zoom so yeah. you know it just goes to show it came in handy that that we're doing hybrid meetings that's cool and you guys bring in like guest speakers and stuff like that Wait, that's the that's been the best part i mean uh, a couple months ago we had adam wendell and uh not adam wait is that right not no, I'm think I'm mixing up Adam Blundell and and uh, Matt Wandell. <laughs> Matt, we had Matt Wandell, uh, and uh, yeah, he 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 did an awesome job. So yeah, we've been getting speakers, and uh, and yeah, it's it's been great. Uh, are people moving out of California like here in Illinois? Yes, that's a secret we like we, we like to tell you guys all. <laughs> Don't come to California. Don't come to I, California. You'll know when people are moving out of California when the price of houses start going down. And they ain't going down. <laughs> so uh Reefa Palooza. Let's talk Reefa Palooza. Yeah. Yeah. How's it been going and uh what what do we got to look forward to in New York? Well, I the show in Orlando was freaking amazing. That it was a monstrous turnout. 
Um, one of the things that that shocked me, and I didn't realize it was going to happen, is we had a sudden influx of companies from out of the country. Really? Show up. Wow. There's no Macna this year. Right. So they went for an alternative, and they came to Reefapalooza. And then they booked booze at Reefapalooza, New York. Oh, so it's going to be a bigger, there, bigger there's show. Going to be, there's going to be some, some there as well. It's really cool to have the owners of these companies come to these shows. And, and for a long time, we didn't have that because they saved up their dollars that trip to come to Macna. And, uh, you know, they, they, you know, so we had, we had the guys from Nios were there. Uh, we had the guys from Reef Factory. You know, they, they're out of Poland. The Nios guys out of Germany. Uh, Claude Schumacher, yep. Schumacher from Fauna Marin was there. Uh, we had the guys from D&D there um, from England. Uh, the owner of, uh, uh, what's it called? Aqua Forest. Yep. The owner of Reef Octopus. In all the years I've had Coral View at our thing, the Reef Octopus owner has never been to a Reef of um, And they all left with a very good taste in their mouth and, and wanting more. So, so I think, uh, I think they now, uh, uh, have a, I think they have a new favorite show. We'll, we'll see. I hope, I'm hoping that they continue to come every year because the hobbyist, I think only benefit from talking to someone other than just someone who's a rep. Yes. Yes. I agree. Go right you know, to the source. I thought it was so cool, you know, to uh to to hang out and talk with Klaus of Royal Exclusive, you know, when he came to a show. It was just it, and he was just excited to meet me because he had only interacted with me on the forums, you know. So uh you know it, I I I want to see more of that. Yeah, I agree. I think um, you know it. Um, it is definitely beneficial to to have the uh, the person that is uh, the most um, knowledgeable and influential person of that company to be able to have that direct dialogue with that person. But I, I just um, I love shows in general. I mean, I'm going to make my annual appearance at uh, the Reefapalooza in New York. I'll uh, do my like quick drive by through their uh, the showroom floor. But yeah, be um, careful if you, if you see if you see him, don't. Don't be like, oh, he's busy right now. I'll talk to him later. You will not see him again. He makes one round, gets <laughs> everything he needs, and he's gone. Because he's got to drive back home. Yeah, so. I, I know. I do the uh, – so what I've been doing is uh, <clears throat> I drive um, – I kind of combine a little fly fishing trip. I'll stop off in the Catskills and do some fly oh, fishing on Friday, and then I'll stay over in the Catskills. And then from there, it's like only an hour and a half drive. Uh -huh. Into the city, and and uh, this year I was trying to talk my wife into um, visiting her mom in in, in, uh, in Manhattan, so we could stay in. But I don't think that's going to be happening. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta try to figure out a way to extend the uh, the trip so it's not such a uh, a brief stay. But but I'm not coral shopping, you know. I right. I can't. I don't have any room. I can't. I can't buy any more frags, you know. I mean, it's just uh, enough already. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm the same way. I rarely, if ever, bring anything back. What's What's um, the deal in terms of bringing stuff back in airplanes these days? I mean, I was at um I was at restock and and um I was talking to um 
uh, who I forget I was talking to, uh, about um, one of the um, Rainbow Splice uh, corals. Okay. And, and I was afraid to, to buy it and to try to bring it back on the plane. So in the end, you cannot rely on TSA following their own rules. In the end, it is up to the discretion of TSA. Yeah, that scares the crap out of me. Yep. I was, it was Chris Cap at Aquatic Art in in, uh, in Colorado. That's he had he had a sweet gotcha. he had a sweet um, rainbow splice uh, frag and yeah. See, I, I I can't spend whatever it is yeah. five hundred dollars four hundred fifty dollars on a frag and then have it confiscated at the gate. You know, so it's no good. I haven't. You know, they've let me on with them, but I personally uh, don't don't even like to go through the hassle myself. Um, but other people go through and have no problems. So if somebody wants to go to the show and they want to have coral shipped home, they can do that, right? Most people probably can. Right. I mean, do, do vendors uh, provide that as a possible some, service? Some vendors will, will ship your stuff to you. But, but most people don't have a problem. I seem to have a problem. Oh, you, you, uh, you have a problem? I've, I've had I, – I, it's – Look, coming home from Chicago, uh, the guy was like, you can't bring this through. And I'm like, here's your, this is the printout from your website that you can bring it through. It has to be in carry on and all this kind of stuff. He's all, yeah, but there's too much water. And he's all, I could see if it was a fish. And I said, it's a living animal. (laughs) Why are you discriminating against coral? You know, I mean. He's, he's like, it's too much water. It's too much water. And then I go further on, and I post this on my Instagram. There was a guy with a live sedated coyote dressed in a Pendleton shirt as a support animal. They let him through. A coyote? A coyote. he do that? <laughs> he was holding it like it was a kid. Uh-huh. It was wearing a red Pendleton shirt, but it was a coyote. <laughs> Really? A wild animal? Yes. And they let him on. And I'm like, and you're harassing me over a coral. Could so, you have just taken some of the water out of the bag? I mean, was that... Uh... No, it was. I used those those little travel cups okay. that that uh, people do. It holds like five five or six frags in it. So I, you know, most, people, most people have zero issue. I mean, oh, he, from California, he checked the whole whole uh you know through through tsa a whole box of coral really no problem oh right so i mean you can't you can't put it underneath the plane can you or or can you you're not supposed to you will never have a problem if you do it oh okay because they they... that's one thing anyone who checks it never has an issue it's those who try to follow the rules and carry it on that you can have an issue could go the old school way and great bearded reef could go the old school way and shred plastic. That's water soaked, draped over the frags. Yeah. Hey, old yeah. school, old school's even old, more old school than that. Newspaper. Paper towels. Yeah. Have Newspaper. You, have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried to uh, prove that theory out? Yes. Did it work? Yes. Really? Absolutely. As long as the coral stays damp, it's fine. It um, certainly works with zoos. <laughs> I know it works with zoos. But yes, SPS, it's, 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 as long as it can stay, 
you know, I mean, you want to put it in like a baggie so that, you know, there's no, it doesn't dry out. Right. But yeah. Um, all That's right. the way they used to ship corals I know. from the islands. I know. They used to ship them in, in damp newspaper. I know. I remember that. I remember that. Um, what else can you tell us, dude, about the upcoming uh, New York show in terms of Reef and well, I mean, there's the, the, the uh, exhibitors are being announced. There's some great exhibitors. There's always going to be a fantastic raffle. Um, I, you know, that, that was when I started doing shows, the raffle was, was the crowning jewel of the show for me, the biggest excitement where I could buy some raffle tickets and win things that cost hundreds of dollars, you know, for just a few raffle tickets. Um, and, and I run the raffle, so it's, it's near and dear to my heart. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's just fun. You're hanging out all weekend with a bunch of people who are like-minded and, and are, I mean, they really are, are in this hobby for the same reason you are just yet. you just love the animals and, and all that nature, you know, has in store for them. So, yeah. Yeah. Folks, if, if you're in the area, it's, um, June 24th and 25th, right? Saturday, yes. Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, let's see, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. both days. It's it's well worth it. I mean, I come from five hours away, you know, just uh, if you're thinking about it, do it. Because like Greg says, it's, it's such a fun thing to go and, and meet like-minded people, the camaraderie. You make friends yeah. for life, you know, and, and, and um, it's really cool. You know, it's in this online world we live in today, this sort of thing face-to-face and, and – um, you know, and, having the conversations, I think, is priceless. And that's a, that's another thing. Because this hobby has become so online, it's really cool to have these people who you buy corals from line up next to each other and you be able to see whether, who really has the best colored coral. Yeah. Whose stuff doesn't really look like the pictures, you know, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And and. Uh, these shows definitely have a way of of squeezing out the fakes. I can tell you that a lot of these big name guys who do these shows, they don't Photoshop. You might think they Photoshop because your corals don't look like theirs, but they don't. And they're there in the flesh to prove it. So, Great Bird of Reef, uh, Reef Bum, come pick me up. <laughs> He's in Boston. Boston it's on the way. You're a little out of my way there, Paul. You know, like, it's not exactly uh, Boston's on, uh, direct... not far. Just is there ever going to be a uh, reef blues in Boston no. or any place else? I no, think uh, the no New other York cities shows close enough that we attract yeah, people from Boston. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's that's really what it comes down to. Is we try we try to make it close enough where someone might want to spend the weekend at the show, and you know, Boston, it's close enough. Uh, we tried. We tried Illinois. It didn't work out too well. Uh, you know the Chicago area. Uh, we were trying Dallas. First year didn't work out so well. We're going to give it another go. Uh, you know, it's really hard. Certain certain areas have a metropolis that's going to support a show that size. And yeah. realistically, we need about three thousand people for it to be a success. Oh, yeah. And it's not hard in very many areas in this country to get 
3,000 people. We can do it easy in Orlando. We can do it easy in uh, New York. We can do it easy in California. But finding that yeah. fourth area that we can get that 3,000 people. Because you can build a big show, but without the people, there's no excitement. Yeah. It's it's just, eh, you know, so... So yeah, are you guys having any? Are you guys having any guest speakers this time? Yes, yes. Uh, they're they're posting the guest speakers daily uh, on their on the Reefapalooza uh, New York uh, uh, website. So they're having a lot more. We're doing a lot more speakers than we've ever done. Cool. Uh, it really worked out in Orlando. Um, more than anything, the the aisles were so packed in Orlando. It was good that the speakers went on and took some of the people off the show floor. Wow. Can but, you uh, uh, can you drop any names from New York speaker wise? I, I just don't know them off the top of my head. I, I haven't been following it, so gotcha. Jackson, thank Woo! you so much for that super chat. Really appreciate That's a it. Hell of a super chat. Thank you, there. guys, for the knowledge. Thank you. Really, really appreciate right. that. Yes. Um, so to find out more about the show, visit uh, reefapaloozashow dot net. Right. Correct. Reefapaloozashow.net, and that'll take you to to all of the four shows, uh, home pages. And also, you know, follow, follow the Reef of Palooza, the four Reef of Palooza shows on Instagram, uh, because they also will, will, uh, uh, give you a lot of information about what's going on. I mean, they'll post the schedule of events, uh, hotel rates, you know, when the, when the hotel rates, we, we usually negotiate pretty good hotel rates, uh, for these shows. Um, you know, always less than $200. I mean, the show is in Secaucus and I think the rates are somewhere in the $150 range. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great little show. Uh, and it's a quick, uh, jaunt into the, uh, city into Manhattan there. It's like an $8 bus ride. Yeah. And it, and it takes all of like 20 minutes to get to, to uh, port authority. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. You're going to be having another uh, night out in the town, uh, this go around. Oh, you know it. (laughs) You know it. (laughs) Probably two, <laughs> two. Probably Friday night and Saturday night. Yeah. Good for you. you. Good for you, dude. You are hardworking man, and yeah. and uh, we real really appreciate everything you do for the hobby and and for uh, working you. on putting together the show. So, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to seeing awesome. you again in looking person. Forward to seeing you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Any uh, any final words before we wrap tonight? No. Um. You know, if you like, I said, if you want to hear more from me. Uh, follow me on Instagram. Uh, we're me and O. Uh, we go live on Instagram at uh, 10 a.m. Usually around 10 a.m. to 10:30 uh, Eastern time, and uh, you know it's just a little. You know anything goes. None of it's pre-scripted or anything. We just talk. We just talk tank, and uh, you know would love to uh, have you join us there. Uh, people, we, we have interaction from the listeners and, you know, it's not a massive group, but you know, for Instagram, it's pretty good size yeah, and, yeah. and, uh, we have fun on it. Yeah, no, for sure. I've, uh, I've checked a few out and it's, uh, it's good stuff. Enjoy, uh, watching you guys. And, and let me tell you, Keith, and in, in any of you guys out there, if you really want to hit the request to join in, ah. be surprised. I brought in. I brought in one guy. It was like I was like, "Oh, this might be interesting." It was like Bali Coral. And the guy he didn't speak no English. But it was the guy. It was he was from Indonesia with the company Bali Coral CV, 
and he just smiled and nodded <laughs> the whole time. You know, it was pretty funny. <laughs> so uh, classic. So yeah, I mean, you know, we we have fun. We have fun. All right, maybe I'll join you guys one of these times. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, love to have you. Yeah, yeah. All right, for sure. All right, Greg. Thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate it. No problem. See, man. see you in a few weeks. So that's going to do it, folks, for this show. I want to uh, thank Greg for being on. And I also want to thank both Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine for sponsoring the live stream. And thank all you folks out there for tuning in and participating. Also, a big thank you to Paul, the moderator, who's also the president of the Boston Reefer Society. Please join and support your local reefing clubs. They are so important to this hobby. Finally, I want to let you all know that all episodes of Wrap on the Reef Bum are available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon. The next Rapid Reef Bum is again on a Tuesday, next Tuesday, um, June 6th, I think it is. I'm going to have um, Dong Zhou back on the uh, the program. I know a lot of you folks uh, love watching Dong, so he's going to be back on. So, uh, yeah, please tune in. should be another great show. Until uh, next time, be safe and be well. Later. <laughs>